Good morning. Happy Memorial Day weekend. Hopefully you guys are uh, having some, some plans, the picnics tomorrow, spending some time with family. Uh, just want to, to remind you, make sure we take some time and, and we, we take some time to actually do what this day is about. We remember um, the people that have given their lives to pay the ultimate sacrifice for us to enjoy the freedoms that we have. Our country is not a perfect country. Like, we can all agree on that, but man, uh, we have some freedoms in this country that we should never take for granted, and um, hopefully you're enjoying some time, and hopefully it won't be raining like it's been the last couple days. Anybody build an ark to survive any of this? Um, yeah, it's been pretty rainy, but hopefully it looks like tomorrow, no rain, so we'll get to spend some time with family, and hopefully you take advantage of that. It's been a crazy day, as Mari said here. They updated the computers here, and it made every, you know, when you update, is it supposed to make life easier, technology, right? Um, but for some reason, and it made things more difficult. So you're not going to see a lot of uh, sermon notes or any sermon notes, possibly the scripture up on the screen. Uh, so hopefully you have the app. If you have the app, you can, you can uh, look at the notes there, download the app if you want. Um, you can follow along that way. If you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to always bring your Bibles or at least have the Bible on your phone. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3, so you can turn there uh, if you want to follow along. But hopefully you can keep up, take some notes and... Um, one other thing I wanted to tell you before we get into what we're talking about today, um, just to give you a little bit of update, many of you have been praying for our family and, and brought meals and other things for our family. We can't thank you guys enough for the way that you have just been such a blessing to us during this time. And man, I just want to celebrate with you the power of prayer because uh, we've been praying for, for Zeke, uh, you know, who broke his femur, if you didn't know that, um, on Mother's Day, just praying for a real quick recovery. And, um, and so uh, we've been praying and we went to the doctor uh, uh, earlier this week and uh, got a very good report that uh, originally was supposed to be six weeks in this massive cast that um, they're actually going to try to take it off in two weeks. So it only have been like a little over four weeks. And so, um, so that's a good report for him. Um, in a lot of ways, it's more work for us because we're gonna have to chase him again. But uh, <laughs> But we're excited for him to be able to move. He also started developing this new crawl this week where he kind of looks like a zombie, so we'll kind of miss that. Um, but uh, we're excited that he's going to be moving and back to his, his normal self in just a few weeks. So thank you for your continued prayers. Um, I feel like I need to tell everybody that's in this middle section to move forward. I'm not going to because it feels like you're far away and it makes me feel like I smell funny. But... Um, Maybe I do. Uh, so, uh, I, I mean, it's just so good to be here with you guys today. It's, it's always such a different dynamic between these two services. But, man, I, I just love that we have the opportunity to continue to go to God's Word together. If you haven't been here, we've been going through the book of Ephesians for the last, uh, this is our seventh week. We're going to be wrapping up the first half of the book, the letter to the church in Ephesus today. Uh, we're going to be looking at chapter 3. We're not going to go fully through verse by verse chapter 3. Uh, we're really going to focus on the last few verses, verses 14 through 21 in, uh, in chapter 3. So again, if you have your Bibles, turn there. Uh, but just to kind of get us on the same page today with what we're talking about, how many of you uh, have a friend in your life that is one of those friends that will call you to talk to you about those kind of checking in conversations? Meaning like you have somebody in your life that uh, you know that you can talk to when you're going through things, and they're not going to just tell you what you want to hear. They're going to be willing to tell you what you need to hear. Like, we all have friends that will tell us what we want to hear. Those friends are nice, but they're not really as beneficial in our lives. The friends that tell us what we need to hear more than what we want to hear are the friends that we really, we really need, right? You're going through something in your life. Like you could, it could be something simple, like you're married and you just have one of those seasons. How many of you, as a married, if you're married in here, you've ever had one of those seasons where you just didn't feel like you were on the same page with your spouse? 
Like you just felt like, you know, you weren't connecting. You just were you're fighting all that. Maybe you never fight, but like we, we fight sometimes, my wife and I, and we just, there's been seasons where we feel like we're just not connected. If you have kids, it's one of those seasons where your kids are trying to, to get you to fight with each other, right? Like they're trying to make you pick sides in life and they know how to bring kind of separation at times. And you're talking to this friend and you're saying, this is what's going on in my life. And they take the time and they're like, here's what you need to do. Like, this is what you need to do. You need to bring your kids over to our house and we'll babysit for you and you need to go on a date, right? Like, you need to take time away from the kids, away from distractions. You need to have a, a meal together. You need to look each other in the eye. You need to, to have some good conversation. You need to go out for a nice meal. You need to go back home and put some romantic music on and you need to reignite the spark in your relationship. This is what you need. It's not just what you want to hear. It's what you need to kind of get that spark back in your marriage or maybe it's something else in your life. Maybe you're, you're struggling with just kind of uh, just be, feeling lazy and lethargic. Like anybody during the, the time of COVID, you kind of felt like you, your health maybe took like a little bit of a, a back seat in your life. And so you, you say, man, I'm feeling this way. And, and they don't just go, well, you know, it's okay. Everybody's felt that way during COVID. And, you know, you just, it's okay. Just roll with it. You know, it'll be better eventually. But they tell you, Here, here's what you need to do. Like you need to get off the couch and you need to get back to the gym because you're just donating money to them right now and you need to actually, you know, use the gym. That's what it's made for. You pay to actually go there and work out. So you need to get back to the gym. You need to stop eating chips and salsa at 11 o'clock at night. Like the Bible says your body is a temple and you're treating your body like a porter potty and so you need to kind of make some shit. Come on, how many of you have a friend in your life who's willing to be honest with you? We need that at times. Like we need people who are willing to be honest with or even in our, our walk with the Lord. Like there's times when maybe you've been through seasons in your walk with the Lord that, that maybe you've never been through these seasons, but there's been times in my life where, where there's those valley experiences. How many of you ever had times where you just did not feel as close or connected to God as other times? We go through times where, where it feels like we are not connected, where our feelings are telling us that maybe God doesn't care about us, he doesn't love us, he doesn't feel the same, whatever. We go through those, those times and a good friend isn't gonna say, well, don't worry about it. A good friend's gonna say, here's what you need to do. You need to get back in God's word. You need to make sure that you're taking time to pray and you're taking time to worship and to be thankful that you're working out your faith even in the difficult seasons because going through faith, it's not just always about the mountaintop experiences. Like the way that we uh, pursue Pursue God in faith in the valleys is what enables us to appreciate those mountaintop experiences as well. And so you need to continue to go forward. You can't live based on your feelings. This is what you need to do. We need people in our lives who are willing to not just tell us what we want to hear, but who are willing to tell us what we need to hear. And that's what this portion of scripture we're looking at today is really all about. Paul is praying for the Christians in Ephesus, praying for us as Christians who would read this letter in the future. And he's praying that they would, that they would receive some things that they really, really need to experience and receive if they're going to live out the life that God had called them to live. And when he prays for this, he's not praying for them just to experience a knowledge and information. He's, he's praying that they would not just receive this knowledge, but that they would actually experience these things we're talking about today. Because if you experience those things, it enables you and helps you to live out the life that God has called you to live. And so I want to look at the big picture for the book of Ephesians really quick, because I think it'll help us kind of better understand why Paul writes these words in verses 14 through 21. And so if you weren't here the first week, we mentioned, we kind of did a little bit of an overview of the entire letter, the history of Ephesus, things like that. But one of the things we said in the very first week was that uh, the, the letter to the church of Ephesus can really be broken down into two sections. A lot of times people refer to it because of the style or the mode that it was written. They call it the indicative 
imperative motive. Like the first three chapters, uh, chapters one through three, referred to as the indicative section. And essentially what Paul does during this section is he describes reality or facts from a very objective perspective. And so if you think back through the first three chapters, if you want to describe what it is, he talks about who Christ is, who we, what he has done, and all that God provides for his people as a result. Essentially, it's the information side of things, all that Christ has done. Now think about some of the things we've talked about over the first few weeks of this series. We've talked about how, how God worked his plan throughout history through Jesus, how Jesus, it wasn't plan, you know, plan C, it was always plan A, that Jesus was going to come, lay his life down as a sacrifice for our sins. We talked about uh, all of the blessings that we have when we are in Christ that we have been adopted and chosen, that he has redeemed us, that he has reconciled us, that we have a, a new purpose when we are in Christ, that we have an inheritance in Christ that cannot be taken. Like there is some, some things that are, are available to us in Christ that, that God has chosen for us to experience, that he's given us the Holy Spirit as the seal, the guarantor of the promise of that inheritance. That even when we were dead in sin, we were lost and hopeless, which was every single one of our spiritual state without Jesus, that Jesus made us alive because of his grace and mercy. Not because we did anything to make ourselves worthy, but because of his grace and mercy. He made us alive. He brought us near. When he looks at us as his followers and his children, he looks at us as his inheritance. He looks at us as his masterpiece created anew in him to do good works to show the world his love. And then last week we talked about not only how we've been reconciled to God, but how God has made a way for us to be reconciled to each other. We look at our world always talking about reconciliation and everything else. The truth is God through Christ Jesus has made a way for, for us to be made one, for us to experience unity, for there to be forgiveness. He took people from every nation, race, tongue, and generation and brought them together as one. The church should be a picture of this beautiful unity that God has made possible because Jesus. All through these first three chapters, we, we read about all of the different things that God has done, all that he provides, and what it means for us to be in Christ, our identity in Christ. Now, in the second half that we're going to start next week, chapters four through six, uh, it becomes much more practical, often referred to as the imperative section. In these chapters, uh, it's all about our responsibility as Christ followers, as people that he has called and chosen and adopted into his family, in light of what Christ has done, what should the response of our lives be? What should it look like for us to practically live this out in our lives? And so the next few weeks are gonna get very, very practical in many different areas of our lives. And the verses we're looking at today uh, kind of um, stand as a transition point from the first half to the second half. These verses that we're looking at today are almost like an exclamation point at the end of the first section leading into the section. Now, like I said in the beginning, we're not gonna cover all of chapter three, uh, but when I, I, I wanna look at the very first verse of chapter three because he says this, he says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. It's like he starts a thought here, and if you're reading it, I would encourage you to read it this week, he starts this thought, and then he has what I would call a 
holy interruption. How many of you have ever been in the middle of a conversation and you were thinking something and whatever you said made you think of something else and you went in a completely different direction? Anybody ever do that? You're having a conversation and you talk and you just go, this is what happens over the next 12 verses. He, he's, he's, he's starting this thought for this reason, why he's about to say what he's about to say, the verses we're gonna look at today. And he has this spiritual, almost ADHD moment, right? And he kind of goes off in a different direction. And what he does during that time is he kind of reaffirms what well, the reason for writing this, he goes off and, and talks about how God has called him as this Jewish Pharisee has saved him, opened his eyes and has re revealed to him the mystery of his plan of salvation, that his plan of salvation wasn't just for the Jews. God had called Paul, saved Paul to be a messenger, bringing the gospel to the Gentiles, which was everybody other than the Jewish people. And that's what Paul's life was all about. He went on these missionary journeys all around, planting churches, spreading the gospel, seeing people come to know Christ who were far away. And he says, I'm a prisoner for Christ because of this, but don't be upset about that. I gladly have done this. I know this is my calling. I know this is what God designed me to do, what God saved me to do. And then he gets back into his main thought. He transitions back into the main thought that we're going to look at. And here's why this is important, because the first few chapters of Ephesians that we've looked over the last couple of weeks, these are what we said during, throughout this whole series, these are theologically very, very deep things. The truth of what we talked about in these first three weeks, or the first three chapters over these last seven weeks, is, is completely life-impacting, life-changing. If you understand who you are in Christ, you understand what Jesus has done for you, that is completely life-changing. But if it just is information, it's not gonna change your life. Like, understand this, like, it's good to have head knowledge, it's good to, to know and to grow in the things of God. It's good to read the Bible. In fact, it's something every single one of us should be doing on a consistent basis. But it's not enough just to have head knowledge. It needs to turn into heart knowledge, which leads to heart transformation. And so what Paul talks about in these verses we're about to look at is things that we need to experience so that it goes from just head knowledge, just information, to transformation in our lives. If you're going to experience all of the fullness of what we talked about throughout these first few chapters, understanding your identity in Christ, all that Christ has made possible for you, then there's some things that you're going to need to experience to live this out. And he mentions four things that we really need in this portion of scripture. So let's look at verses 14 through 19 together. Ephesians three. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in earth and on earth is named. And I pray that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all of the saints what is the length, width, height, in depth of God's love and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Four things he talks about that we all need to experience. The first thing he mentions there is that we need to be strengthened within by the Holy Spirit. We need to be strengthened within by the Holy Spirit. He starts by saying, I pray that God may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power in your inner being through the Spirit. I want you to notice something. He doesn't pray that you would be stronger. He doesn't pray that you and I would be stronger. He prays that we would be strengthened because there's a difference. Because our power and our ability, there's a cap on that. 
It's always going to be limited, but God's power is limitless. So he says, I don't want you to just be stronger. I don't want you to just try to have a stronger faith. I want you to actually be strengthened, be empowered, receive from God through the Holy Spirit, the empowering and the strength that you need to be all that God has called you to be. Have you ever had a time in your life when you came face to face with the reality of some of your weaknesses and limitations? Like maybe you weren't looking for it, but you did something that reminded you that you had some weaknesses and some limitations in your life. I had one of these experiences this week. Uh, earlier this week, I decided that I needed to make some changes. You know, I talked about all those different things in the beginning about feeling lazy and lethargic. That's all my life, really, I'll be honest with you. Like, there's just been many times throughout this last year with, with COVID and with everything, I just made a lot of excuses. And those excuses led to eating a lot of unhealthy food and gaining a lot of weight and giving the gym free money and not actually showing up to use the gym and all this kind of stuff. And, and eventually you come to a point where you're like, I need to make some changes. Like, it's, it's bathing suit season, right? We're about to go on vacation with our family in July and I'm gonna be on the beach and I don't want anybody calling animal control thinking there's like a beached whale or anything there. So I need to make some changes and for the sake of my family, I don't wanna embarrass them too much. And, and so I decided I was gonna start running this week. I used to run all the time. Uh, I used to run pretty consistently. I would run anywhere from two to six miles normally at a time. Uh, go up, mo most of the time, three miles, like a 5K, a little over three miles. And I would go run that pretty consistently. And, uh, and it helped. And, and most of us, like, if you're like me, you work out and exercise so that you can eat whatever you wanna eat, right? Like I'm not trying to, to have this perfect body, but I just wanna be able to eat donuts still. And so, so I, would, I was like, I'm gonna start running this week. I used to do this, it has been a while, but I'm just gonna get out there and I'm gonna go for it. I know they have a program called Couch to 5K. Have you ever heard of that? Couch to 5K is like a running program. And so I did it. I'm real practical, so I got off of the couch I put on my running shoes and I ran a 5K. And, and so earlier this week, I got out there and I usually run like nine o'clock at night. So it's dark and nobody sees all of this like jiggle. And I, I went running at nine o'clock at night and, uh, and I was like, I'm gonna run a 5K. And so I set it in my phone and I put the GPS on and I was like, I'm gonna run, you know, mile and a half away. So I have to run a mile and a half back because I know if I don't run far away, I'm not gonna care about, like I have to have motivation to get back home, right? And so I, I get out there and I run. And, it was not great. I'm just gonna be honest with you. Like if you haven't run for a while and you run, it's not pretty. It definitely was not a record time. My body was feeling the effects of it pretty quickly after I started moving like that, but I made it. I get home, my body, like I said, is not happy with me, but I did it. And I'm proud, you know, you're proud of yourself. You do it, you're like, okay, I did it, I got this. Now the next day I came to work and my legs were very tired. There was a lot of muscle fatigue. I hadn't done anything like that for a while. That night though, I said to myself, well, you gotta keep going, you gotta be consistent. My legs were telling me, you need to take a night off. My brain was saying, you gotta push through the pain because that's what you do, you gotta get consistent. And so I went out that night and I ran again. And I didn't get three miles that night, I got like 2.75, it was that night where there was a bunch of thunder and lightning and I thought I was gonna get struck by lightning so I just got home as quick as possible. And I was, I thought it was bad the first night afterwards. I got home that night and I was in pain. Like I got in bed that night and my legs were restless. I probably slept two hours. I found this old, you know, patch for my back that had like lidocaine or something in. I put that all over my knee, took some Tylenol, finally got some rest, but it was a bad, bad night. And the next day I went to work, I believe it was Thursday and I, I, I was fine throughout the day, but eventually that pain medication wore off and, and I was feeling it. Like I was 
experiencing some severe pain in my leg that I have never experienced before. I went over to Rite Aid. I bought everything imaginable that you could buy. It was like, what do you got that's going to help me here? I bought Epsom salt. I bought all kinds of stuff. None of it worked at all. I hardly slept at all that night. And the next morning I wake up and I am acting like, like I'm dying. And my wife is probably thinking, don't be such a wimp. But I was in so much pain. It, you ever been to a point where your pain it makes you feel nauseous? Like I felt like I was going to throw up because my leg was hurting so much. No matter which way I laid, no matter which way I put my leg, if I was laying down, walking, no matter what I was doing, it was incredibly painful. So I had to suck up my pride and call the doctor. Now, just to give you an idea, I don't go to the doctor very much. In fact, I went for a physical like a month ago, which is why this whole process started of having to get healthy because they were like, you need to make some changes here. And when I went there, they said, well, you haven't been here for like four years, so you're a new patient to us now because it's been a while. So I don't go very much unless I'm sick, unless I really need to go to the doctor. So it's hard for me to suck up my, anybody in here, it's hard for you to suck up your pride and call the doctor sometimes. Like I had to suck up my pride and call the doctor. And, and the worst part is I knew I'm going to the doctor because I was an idiot, because I didn't listen to my body. And essentially that's what the doctor told me when I was there as well. She didn't say it like that, but she said it in other words. She was like, you're not as young as you used to be. You're, you're getting older. You cannot do that. You have to listen to your body. Well, I was told when you were young, you just kind of push through the pain. No, that's what young bodies do. But old bodies like you, you don't push through the pain. You have to listen to what your body is saying. And so I had to get steroids, not the kind that make you the strong the kind that make you not a baby, right? And so I had to get like the steroids and some muscle relaxers. And fortunately, I'm feeling a ton better. But what she basically said is you, you push yourself and you force yourself to have some severe tendonitis around your, your knee. And that's the pain you're experiencing. Have you ever experienced that before? It hurts. It was in that moment I realized, man, I'm not, I'm not as strong as I thought I was. Like there's moments where we come face to face with our, our physical realities. There's times though in our, our walk with the Lord where we also come face to face with our spiritual inadequacies, our spiritual weaknesses, those areas that we're not as strong as we, as we wanna be or that we think we are. We attempt at times to be who God has called us to be, but we attempt to do it in our own strength, in our own power, in our own abilities. And listen, if you've ever done that, you're not the first one to attempt to do that. Paul wrote this letter to a church, this letter called Galatians to the church in Galatia. And he wrote to them and he said something very similar. He says this in Galatians 3. He says, let me ask you this question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? After starting your new life in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? In other words, it's foolish of us to rely on our own strength and power. It's really spiritually prideful for us to think that we can live the life that God has called us to be separate from his power working in and through our lives. And oftentimes what God will allow us to do, he'll allow us to come face to face with our own weaknesses, our own inadequacies, not to condemn us, but to bring us back into that place of spiritual dependence, to bring us back to that place where we realize that we're not made to do this apart from him. We need his power in our lives. You know, Paul, who wrote this letter to Ephesus, he had a very practical experience with this in his own life. 
He talks about, in Corinthians, this thorn in the flesh that he was experiencing. Now, we don't know what it was. Many people have different theories about what it was that he was dealing with, but he was dealing with something that was very difficult, very painful in his life, and was, in some ways, he felt hindering his ministry. And so he prays to God about it. And we find out what happened in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He says this, three different times, I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time, he said, My grace is all you need, for my power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses, in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I'm truly strong. Our weaknesses and our limitations are a perfect opportunity for us to experience God's supernatural power in our lives. So many times we look at our weakness, we just gotta get rid of all our weakness, get rid of all our faults, get rid of all our limitations. No, we have to embrace them at times because those are perfect opportunities for us to not be limited by our own limitations, but to experience God's supernatural power at work in and through our lives. Listen, you can choose to live the life that God has called you to live. You can choose to to accept and to be all of those things that we've talked about over these last six weeks, all of these things that Christ says is our identity. You can try to walk that out in your own power, and I will tell you this, you're gonna fail. Or you can experience God's power at work in your life. You can do what he says that you need more than anything else. You need to be empowered. You need to be filled continually, daily, filled with the Holy Spirit to empower you to be who God has called you to be, to live the life that he's called you to live. The second thing Paul says we need is this, not only this infilling power of the Holy Spirit, but he says we need Christ, that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith. Now in a very literal sense or practical sense, when we accept Christ, when we put our faith in him, he dwells in our hearts, not literally in our hearts, but what the Bible means by that is he takes over that center position in our lives. He should take over that center position that our life is built on. But when Paul talks here about dwelling in our hearts through faith, he's talking about something more. What he's saying is that what you really need is you need to get to that place where your entire life is focused around Christ, where you're, where you're the home of your heart, so to speak, is completely opened to what God wants to do in your life, that he is permanently and completely at home in every area of your life. When we put our faith in Jesus, it's almost as if we're inviting him to make his home. Essentially, we're looking at Jesus saying, okay, my life is yours. If my life is a house, the whole house is yours. How many of you ever bought a house? When you buy a house, you pay all that money or whatever. If you got there and they gave you the keys and you're like, here's your new house, but you only have keys to the living room. There's still people living in the other part. You pay for the whole thing, but you only have access to that. Is that okay? Would any of us be okay with that? No, because you bought the house, it's yours. Everything about it is yours. But sometimes we do the same thing when it comes to our relationship with God. We say, okay, here's my life, God. My life is yours, but there's some rooms that I wanna keep for myself. My heart's your home, but we try to compartmentalize and we try to, to keep certain things from this. There's times as, as God makes his, our heart his home, as he takes control and he begins to, to take ownership of that, he's gonna deal with certain things. He's gonna be like, hey, what is that room right there? What's behind that locked door? Like, well, God, that's not, that's not a room that, that I really want you having access to. Like, I'm a little bit embarrassed about what's behind that door. There's stuff in there that I'm not ready for you to, to see yet. There's stuff in there that I'm not ready for you to kind of to deal with. And Christ will gently, because he loves us, be like, I need access to that. 
your, your heart is my home, your life is mine, that room is mine too. I'm, not, I'm just a little, I'm embarrassed by what, what's behind there, God. Well, listen, the only way that I can, I can heal it is if you reveal it. So you need to give me the keys to that room so I can deal with what's behind there and take care of it so you don't have to continue to be ashamed by it. You don't have to continue to walk in that prison. You're gonna need to give me access to that. So we love to, the idea of Jesus being our savior. We struggle sometimes with the idea that Jesus is also our Lord. And if he is our Lord, everything in our lives is, is, is his. And it's a process, right? That process of sanctification, becoming more like Christ, but it's a process that we have to, to go through. And there's times in our lives where God is going to ask us to do things, to give up things, to reveal certain things, to give us access to parts of our, our life. And we need to be willing because he is our Lord and our savior. And we wanna make him comfortable in his home, which is our life. We need to be willing to surrender and submit that area to him. Some of us like, I, I, I'll follow Jesus. I want to serve Jesus. My life is Jesus. My heart is Jesus's. But there's just that, that one sin, that one addiction that I really can't give yet. It's just too big. It's too difficult. It has too much of a hold on my life. It's been too much of a big part of my life. I can't really give you access to that. And Jesus will say, I want that area. You might say, Lord, I, I want you to make my heart your home. I want my life to be yours. I want you to dwell in my heart through faith. But I can't really give up that, that unforgiveness. I can't forgive that person that's hurt me. I can't get rid of that bitterness that has taken over my life. I can't get rid of that, that depression that's come from all of that. I, I can't surrender that area. And he's got, listen, I love you and I need you to give me that too. There's times where we say, I wanna surrender my life to Jesus. My life is yours, God, everything. I want my heart to be your, your home on Sundays. But on Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday, that's, that's my life. What I do with my time is mine. And, and he says, no, that's not the way this, this works. It's, it's not a here's a little bit, it's an all or nothing type of thing. And for him to make his heart our home, for him to dwell in our hearts through faith means that we are constantly moving towards that area where he is completely comfortable in every area of our life, where everything in our life revolves around the fact that Jesus is our Lord and our Savior. And he's comfortable in our lives, he has free reign in our lives. So how do you know if you're truly experiencing this? How do you know if Christ is truly dwelling in your heart? You have to just ask yourself, what's the fruit of your life? Sometimes it's good for us to evaluate our lives, to look at our lives, to look at what our lives are producing. And listen, it doesn't mean you're gonna be perfect because none of us are going to arrive there until eternity, but is your life changing? Are you becoming more and more like Christ every day as he takes ownership of every area of your life, every room in your life, the attic, the basement, those closets where you keep the skeletons, as he takes control of every area in your life, are you becoming more like him? Are you looking more like him? Are you loving more like him every single day? Because that's the fruit of the life where Christ is at home, where Christ is dwelling in every area through faith, where there's some things that you're still trying to hold on. And if there is, what you need to do is you need to surrender those areas to Christ. Because if you're gonna fully experience and live out all the, the beautiful promises that we've talked about through the first three, couple chapters of Ephesians, it only can take place when we are living completely surrendered and submitted in every area of our life to Christ. The third thing we need that Paul prays for, he prays that we would experience a deeper understanding of Christ's love. He was convinced one of the greatest needs that we have as followers of Christ was a constant awareness and a growing realization of how much God loves us. He said those words. He says, I pray that you are rooted and established in love. In other words, I pray that the foundation of your life as a follower of Christ more than anything else is the love of God. 
Like having strong roots, having a firm foundation is what enables you to deal with all of the storms and the other things that you face in life. Come on, because you're a follower of Christ doesn't mean you're never gonna go through anything difficult. In fact, you're still gonna go through storms. You're still gonna go through difficult things. And if you don't have strong roots and you haven't built on a firm foundation, you don't make it through those things. Instead of running towards God, you run away from God and farther from his presence. But when you have strong roots, when you've built on a firm foundation, it enables you to make it through anything in life. And he says, listen, no matter what you go through, the one thing that is constant, if you're a follower of Christ, the one thing that you need to build your life on, that you need to understand more than anything else, that you need to be constantly growing in and realizing more and more every day is just how much God loves you. And not just a a mental knowledge, but an actual experiential knowledge with his love for you. He says, may you be able to comprehend with all of the saints what is the length, width, height, and depth of God's love. And to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge. I love that. It says his, his love for you goes beyond even your ability to understand and fully understand, fully grasp. When somebody, people say before, I just don't understand how God can love me. That's an accurate statement. Like it's impossible for us to fully grasp. He says it goes beyond your understanding. But in the same breath, he says, may you know it more. May you continue to grow in it. May you be rooted and firmly established. You will never fully grasp it. You will never understand it. You will never arrive at the destination where you fully grasp his love for you. But may you every single day be be rooted and building on the foundation of his love. May you be growing in your knowledge and your understanding of his love for you every single day. And then he brings and talks about these dimensions of God loves that is longer, higher, wider, and deeper than you will ever fully understand. And all of these, these dimensions point to an aspect of Christ's love that we need to understand. When he says long, it illustrates that his love for us is a lasting love. It's long enough to last through all eternity. There is nothing if you are in Christ and you've accepted his forgiveness and you've been adopted into his family, there is nothing that you have done, there's nothing that you can do or will do that will separate you from the love of Christ. It's an eternal love. It says before the foundations of the earth, God knew you, chose you, desired to adopt you into his family. That love for you, if you are involved in his family, if you've been invited in, if you've been adopted in his family, that love for you is an eternal love as well, will continue to carry you through. It's longer than you will ever realize. It's not only long, it's wide, which illustrates his accepting love. His his love is wide enough to include every person. Christ's love is for Jew and Gentile, white, black, Hispanic, Asian, rich, poor, middle-class, grade-A students, or dropouts. It's for everyone. Those struggling with obvious sins. Come on, how many of you understand there's times where you can look at somebody's life and you know there's some messed up stuff going on in their life? Also those who struggle with hidden sins, who appear to everybody else like everything is going great in their life, but we know because just like everybody else, we all struggle. Says his love is is wide enough to accept any person. It's available for anyone, no matter what you've done or haven't done. Christ opens his arms wide and embraces anyone, no matter how broken. It's not because you made yourself acceptable to God. It's not because you cleaned yourself up and said, okay, God, I think I'm clean enough now for you to accept me. And God looks at you and goes, yes, you did a great job making yourself acceptable. Now I will love you. The Bible says it's the kindness of the Lord, even in our broken state, that leads us to repentance. The Bible says that we love God because he first loved us. 
because he accepted us in our broken state, in our messed up state, while we were hopeless, while we were far off, while we were dead in our sins, Christ brought us near, Christ made us alive. It's wide enough to accept anyone. Not only that, it's high, which illustrates his exalting love. God's love is high enough to, to not only love us in the beginning down here, but also to bring us to our eternal home in heaven. His promises to raise us up, to seed us with Christ, and then to pour out his uncomparable riches of his grace on us in the coming ages are all promises that are for us when we are in Christ that he wants us to experience. His love is what will carry us all the way to our eternal home. And then the last thing is he says it's deep, which illustrates his sacrificial love. God's love is deep enough to reach even the worst sinner. It doesn't matter how deep your sins have taken you, God's love is deeper still. When you look at the cross of Christ, you see the depth of God's sacrificial love for you. At the cross, the Bible says, Jesus became our sin. He took on the full wrath of God towards sin. He became the worst sin imaginable. You think about the person in your mind who's done the worst thing, the most atrocious thing, the most, just the, the thing that you can't even imagine how somebody could do. And the Bible says that at that moment on the cross, Jesus became that sin to give us an opportunity to exchange that for his righteousness. Doesn't matter how far you've fallen, doesn't matter how broken you think you are, doesn't matter how messed up and the worst things that you have done. God's love for you is deeper than that. He can still forgive you, change you. I love how it talks about it in Romans 8, 38 and 39, how it talks about this love of God, a verse that we've read many times, but I wanna read it again. It says, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Come on, what we need more than anything else is we need to understand, to grasp, to be rooted and established in the love that God has for us. That no matter what we're going through, no matter what we do, no matter what we experience in life, if you are in Christ, he loves you more than you will ever fully grasp. And every single day of your life, he wants you to grow in that love, to go deeper in that love, to be rooted in that love, to be established in that love, to build on the foundation of that love because it's what will help sustain you no matter what you go through in life. And then the final thing he prays and that he says we need is this. He says we need to be filled with all the fullness of God. This is what this entire prayer that Paul's prayed has been leading to. When we are constantly being strengthened in the Holy Spirit, daily being empowered by the Holy Spirit, when Christ is dwelling in our, our hearts, making his home in our hearts, when we are constantly surrendering our lives and submitting to his lordship and his leadership in our lives, when we are continually being rooted and established and growing in our understanding and, and experiencing his love in our lives, ultimately it will lead us to experience what he talks about here, which is all of the fullness of God that is available to us. All the fullness of God. In Colossians 2, it says it like this. It says, now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. 
For in Christ lives all of the fullness of God in a human body. So you are also complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. What it simply and profoundly means is that God, in and through Christ Jesus, has made available to you and I everything we need for living a Christian life. It says, in Christ is the fullness of God, which means there is nothing else that you need more than Jesus. There's not a next step. There's not a hidden thing that you need. There's nothing you need more than more of Jesus in your life, growing in Jesus to experience the fullness of God because all of the fullness of God resides in Jesus. Or like how it says it in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, it says, May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. Everything that you and I need when it comes to living the life that God has called us to live, we have. Everything. Everything that you need to live the life that God has called you to live is available to you. Every resource, everything he says, is yours in Christ. But we can only receive it by continually surrendering and submitting to his lordship and his leading in our lives. You cannot be filled with something from God. You cannot be experienced the fullness of God when you are constantly being filled with other things. So that's what we do in life, right? We allow ourselves to be filled with lesser things and those things are what overflow out of our lives and we don't experience the fullness of God because we are already full. And so sometimes we need to allow ourselves to be emptied so that we can experience the fullness of God. We need to get rid of those lesser things that we allow ourselves to be filled with so that we can overflow because what you are filled with is what will overflow out of your life. And if you wanna experience the fullness of God, all the fullness of God, and you want that to be the overflow of your life, then you need to make sure that you're taking time to be filled with the fullness of God. And so the question you have to ask yourself is what am I being filled with? What am I allowing myself to be filled with? Am I filling myself with the right things? Or am I allowing myself to constantly be filled with things that are not going to produce the fullness of God in my life? What are you being filled with? I wanna read the last two verses of Ephesians 3 as we close. It's in these verses as he closes this chapter that really become that exclamation, that exclamation point. It's as if he think, he's thinking about all the things he's written in these first few chapters. He's thinking about all of the things that are our identity in Christ. He's remembering and thinking about how God has worked this marvelous plan throughout history, how God had this plan of bringing in people who were far, adopting in Gentiles and outsiders into the, the family of God. And he's thinking about all that God has made possible and all that God has, has done. And he is just overwhelmed with emotion and he almost doesn't have the right words to speak. Have you ever been in a moment where you're trying to say something and you were so excited, you just kind of mix some words together and you are just like overflowing with emotion. That's what Paul's at as he writes this letter, as he thinks about this marvelous plan, as he thinks about all the goodness of God, as he thinks about what, what you and I need to experience to fully embrace all that God has for us, he ends with, with these words. And I wanna read it from the Living Translation because I just love how it, how it states it. It says, now glory be to God, who by his mighty power at work within us is able to do far more than we would ever dare to ask or even dream of. Infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. May he be given glory forever and ever through endless ages because of his master plan of salvation for the church through Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me today as we close? And we're gonna close in worship in just a moment.
Maybe for just a second, you close your eyes. I want you to just think about this. I want you to just take a a moment to just think about what I'm about to say to you. He says, God is able to do infinitely more than you can even hope, dream, or imagine. Think about your life this morning. Especially if you're in here today and you would say you're a follower of Christ. Are, Are you living a life that truly believes that? Are you living a life where you truly believe and live in that expectation, knowing that God, through his power at work within you, not through your own power, but through his power at work within you can do infinitely, abundantly more than anything you hope, dream, or imagine? Have you truly been found in Christ? Have you experienced that life abundant that Christ promised? Have you grasped the possibilities of what God can do in and through your life? Or have you put God in a box? Have you put a lid on the possibilities of what God can do? Have have you settled for for simply going through the motions? Have you settled for simply going to church and and, and kind of doing the the religious stuff, but, but not really experiencing His power at work in your life? Because our God is able to do infinitely, abundantly, more than anything, beyond our highest prayers, our highest desires, our greatest thoughts or our hopes, he can do more, more than you hope, dream or imagine. So the action step I wanna challenge us with today, if you're a follower of Christ, I wanna challenge you to dare to dream bigger dreams. And when I say that, I'm not talking about the dreams we often dream, which are about ourselves and our glory and our reputation. I wanna challenge you to dream bigger dreams when it comes to God's plan and God's purposes. God, what do you you wanna do in my life and through my life for you? I want you to pray bigger prayers. I think about our life sometimes. Do you pray prayers where you understand that the God you are praying to can do infinitely and abundantly more than anything you even ask? Because a lot of times, if I'm honest with you, my prayers are things that I can do in my own power. God, help me to get through this day. Like I can do that. I can choose my attitude. You can choose your attitude. That's not hard. Do we pray prayers where we really understand that unless God shows up, it can't happen. Like the only way what we pray for is gonna happen is if God shows up, if God does a miracle. Are we praying prayers where we believe that God is infinitely able to do above anything we hope, dream, or imagine according to his power that's at work through us? I wanna challenge you to live for greater impact. The Bible says to store up our treasures in heaven, not just on earth. What he's saying in that is we need to live for eternity. We need to live for eternal impact. We need to be focused on eternal things because this life is short and eternity is long. And the only thing we take with us are the lives that have been impacted by the gospel. The only thing that is eternal is people. So are we living for greater impact? Is our life focused around doing everything we can to bring glory to God? Because everything else that we do, honestly, Maybe you're in here today and it starts for you with simply starting a relationship with Christ. 
Like you've never, you've never made that decision. You've never started that relationship. You've never simply said yes to Jesus. You've never surrendered your, your sins and your failures to him and received his forgiveness and his reconciliation. You need to start today by being reconciled to God, by beginning that relationship, by allowing him to take up residence in your life and surrendering and submitting to his lordship and his leadership today. That's where it starts. You cannot experience all of these things that we've talked about in your life apart from Christ. You cannot experience them in your own power. It only happens by Christ's power at work in your life. And so if you're in here today and you don't know Jesus yet, but you know that God is calling you, he's drawing you to him, would you simply raise your hand today so that I know I'm praying with you as we close? I wanna look around for just a second. See that hand in the back? There was, there was a hand in the first service as well. As we pray today and close, I want you in your own words to simply surrender your heart to God. Confess your sins, repent of, of, of trying to do it on your own, in your own strength, in your, in your own power, and receive what only He can give you, your forgiveness for your sins, new identity, new life in Christ, a new beginning. And begin to live from this day forward as His child. And maybe you're in here and you do know Christ. Maybe you're in here today and you, you would say, yes, I'm a follower of Christ, but if you were honest with yourself and you look at your life, you look at it and all the things we talked about that you truly need, and if you're honest with yourself, you've settled for way less than God's best. You're not living your life in that response, knowing that God is able to do infinitely, abundantly more. You're just going through the motions, just day by day, playing religion, playing church. Today, you need to repent for that. You need to begin to trust God. You need to begin to live in the fullness of God, experiencing all He has for you. If that's you today, would you raise your hands with me as we pray today? I wanna to pray as we close. Father, today, with our hands raised to you, if that is us, where we've settled for less than your best, God, where we've settled for, for just information, but not transformation, God, we, we repent for that. We're sorry for that, God. And we miss what you wanna do in our lives. God, you wanna do infinitely above anything we can hope, dream, or imagine. Yet we've settled for weak lives. We've settled for lives of, of weak prayers. We've settled for lives where we don't make an impact. We just go through the motions. We just try to get through the day, God. But God, you've saved us for so much more. You've invited us not only to receive reconciliation, but to be a part of other people who are lost in, in darkness, who are hopeless, finding hope that is only found in you, God. So I pray that we would live with expectation. God, that we would be a church of, of people who is, who is looking for opportunities every single day, everywhere we go, to be a part of your plan and your purposes in this world. God, we ask that you would stir up a greater desire in our lives to be who you've called us to be, God. God, we thank you for that. Do a work in us and through us. In Jesus' name we pray.